So uh, tonight, like I said, we're going to go a little bit deeper. Can we go deeper? Everybody say deeper. And uh, we're going to get into some more stuff talking about Evidence 2017, which is the camp theme for this year. And uh, we're going to go deeper into God's presence. We're going to have a time uh, of ministry at the end. So prepare yourself, prepare your hearts. And at this point at camp, there is no such thing as service times or service endings. There's no such thing as bedtimes. We can stay as long as we want to stay. We can do whatever we want to do. So nobody get in a rush. Um, And we're going to just hang out in God's presence. Can we do that tonight? So... Uh, that's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, we're going to be in God's presence. So if you've got your Bibles with you, let's look at the book of Acts. We're going to hang out in the book of Acts. So we're going to respond tonight, right? Preach better when we respond better. So I believe tonight there's two things that are going to happen. It's going to be a fun night, and it's going to be a powerful night. That's just the way we roll. Fun and powerful in the house of God, in the presence of God. You're saying, well, this isn't my church. Well, it is because we're here. Wherever two or more are gathered, God is in the midst of them, and it is the house of God. How many know that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of each and every one of you, and you are the house of God. You are the church of Jesus Christ. Wherever you go, wherever you walk, you are the house of God. So we're going to talk tonight. Uh, about the Holy Spirit a little bit. That's kind of been a theme that's been going on in uh, summer camp, but it's also been a theme going on in our church. Now, some of you don't know that, but Church on the Rock, Indiana, we've been doing a series on Sunday mornings literally for the past six or seven weeks before camp called Fresh Air. Everybody say Fresh Air. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and how important He is in your life. So really, with all these speakers bringing up the Holy Spirit so much, God's trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell us something about the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we need to talk about Him. We need to know about Him. We need to preach about Him. Because in reality, He is the most important person in your life, in my life, the Holy Spirit. So every speaker that's talked about the Holy Spirit, don't get tired of that. Because there's a reason they're doing it. Because Like we said, the Holy Spirit is the most important person that can be talked about. He is the most important person for us as believers. So that's why we need to talk about him. So we're going to talk about him again tonight. Now the awesome thing about the Holy Spirit is when you talk about him, he shows up in a greater way. So that's what's going to happen tonight. So Acts 1 and verse 8. Now this is a very uh, familiar scripture to a lot of us in here. We're going to read it. Like I said, this has kind of been a theme in our church the past six or seven weeks about the Holy Spirit and about what He came to do in our lives and what He came to bring us. In verse 8 it says, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. power. And you got to say it with a little more umph than that. You guys want one more chance? Okay. But you shall receive power. power. There we go. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But notice it says, I will give you power to be witnesses. Now underline that, witnesses. He gave us power to be witnesses. Now let's look in the same uh, book, Acts. We're going to go to Acts 4 and verse 13. Acts 4 and verse 13. Now the reason we're reading so much out of the book of Acts is The book of Acts is the blueprint for the church. The book of Acts is what happened in the early church after Jesus went to be with the Father. He sent back the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit empowered His church to do the same things that Jesus did in the Gospels. And the reason they could do those things and the reason that you can do those things is because you have the same Spirit that Jesus has. That's why Jesus could say greater things than these than you can do because you have the same Holy Spirit that He had. All the things that Jesus did that were supernatural. I'm preaching ten times better than you responded tonight. Now we're going to go somewhere tonight if you'd like to. So you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Alright, so Acts 4 and verse 13. We like to read a couple verses as we get going. 
to kind of lay the foundation for where we're going to be tonight. So Acts 4 and verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man they had healed standing with them, they could say nothing against them. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves. What shall we do to these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done, and it is evident. Where are you at? I know it's a little bit dark in the back. Where are you at? It is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. That's what your Bible says. There was a miracle that happened, and it was evident even to non-believers that they said, we cannot deny this. But so it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that they will not speak in the name of Jesus. So they called them and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. Verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Which we have seen and heard. Now let's jump down to Acts 5 and verse 32. Acts 5 and verse 32. Now this is just an introduction. We're just getting going here. Acts 5 and 32. And it says, and we are his witnesses to these things. And so also the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. So if you're taking to notes, notes tonight, the title of my message is, We Are the Witnesses. We Are the Witnesses. You ready for this? Evidence 2017, you ready for this? So, we are... The witnesses. And let me tell you a little bit something about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit so much in our church, so it's just in me. It's going to come out. Now, I might say some of the things that these men and women of God said, but it's okay. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So it's not enough that you hear something one time. You need to hear it over and over and over again. Because the more you hear about it, you will have faith in what's being talked about. So, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not just a sub-part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God, just like the Father's God, the Son's God, the Holy Spirit's God. But guess what? The Father and the Son are in heaven. But the Spirit is here on earth with us right now, helping us do what we can't do in our own strength and our own power. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower the believer. How many believers in the house? He sent the Holy Spirit to empower the believer to do what you can't do in your own strength. To live a life that you can't live in your own strength. To heal people when you can't heal people. To deliver people when you can't deliver people. To help people when you can't help people. To change when you can't change yourself. To break bondages when you can't break them yourself. That's what the Holy Spirit came to do. His name is the Helper. Now when you read the Gospels, Jesus said a lot of times He refers to the Holy Spirit more as the helper than even the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has come to help us do the mission of God on the earth. The mission of God. And it's a big mission. And we can't do it without Him. He has sent us into this earth to be witnesses for Him. The Holy Spirit is God living in us and working through us To do what God has called us to do. Now at the end of the Gospels, Jesus said a lot of big things. Now how many think we should listen to what Jesus has to say? Just kind of important. He's kind of an important person in the Bible. To your Christianity. Maybe let's listen to what he says. So red letter, Jesus said, the mission of the church is this. I want you to go into all the world and preach the Gospel. I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I want you to go into all the world and make sure that people are saved and healed and delivered. And I want you to change the world. That's a big thing. 
really big thing. I want you to change the world. It's not easy. And he knew that. He knew we couldn't do it on our own strength. But he said, don't go do it until I send the Holy Spirit to help you do what I've called you to do. Because you can't do it without me. The church and the Holy Spirit have to do this thing together or it doesn't work. You hear tonight? So, the Holy Spirit was sent to help us do what God has called us to do and fulfill the mission of God, which is to save the entire planet. It's not like a small mission, not that big kind of insignificant. God says, I want you as believers to save the entire planet and see them healed, delivered, set free, and in a relationship with Jesus. It's kind of big. And you realize there's seven to eight billion people on the planet and there's only two billion Christians. I think there's a lot of people that still need to be reached. The mission is not anywhere close to being done. You know, young people don't freak out. I've been, I was going to say I've been young. I've been young and I've been old. Because I turned 30 this week. Dirty 30. So, I've been young and I've been old. And I've realized this. When you're young, um, you freak out when people start talking about Jesus coming back. Because you really don't want him to come back yet. He's like, yeah, I want him to come back, and I want to go to heaven, but just not yet. Because I want to live my life first. Well, good news, young people. Jesus is coming back, but not anytime soon. Because there's a big mission. Jesus is not going to come back with 5 billion people left here that don't know about him. He wouldn't do that. He's a just God. He's a fair God. Everyone needs to get an opportunity to know him. So he's not going to do that. So rest easy, young people. Take a deep breath. (sighs) You're going to have time to get old, get married, have kids, work a job, have a white picket fence, all that good stuff. So Jesus isn't coming back anytime soon because the mission of God is so big. There's things that need to happen. It's a big plan, it's a big mission, but we can do it because he sent the Holy Spirit to make us witnesses. So, this is what a witness is. You might want to write this down. A witness is one who gives an account of what they've seen, heard, or experienced. A witness is one who gives an account of what they have seen, heard, or experienced. And that's what God has called us to be. We are called to be witnesses. He's given us power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. So a witness is one who gives an account or tells the story of what they have seen, heard, or experienced. That's what God has called us to do. What they've seen, heard, or experienced. So, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, the gospel means good news. Everybody say good news. Everybody say good news. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell the story of the good news. Realize if you haven't seen, heard, or experienced something, you can't give good news to anybody else because you're not really a witness. Because a witness has to actually see it has to actually hear it, has to actually experience it before they can share it with somebody else. You realize when you're giving evidence to somebody in a court of law, you can't say, somebody told me this. Uh, You know, Fred, who lives down the street, I promise he said this. He said that he saw this happen. No, that doesn't work because you can't be a witness unless you personally saw this, heard this, experienced this. Now, I would dare to say tonight, the reason why a lot of us aren't being the witnesses that we're supposed to be is because we haven't seen enough of God, and we haven't heard enough of God, and we haven't experienced enough of God. Because when you do, you can't help 
but be a witness. You can't help it. You can't help it. Nobody has to force you. Now, why is that? That's like a thing in the church world that people always struggle with. There's a lot of subjects in in the Bible that they talk about at church and everybody agrees with and everybody wants to do. But the sermons about evangelism and reaching people and being a witness, there is a dramatic, can we talk about something different? You know that in your church when somebody says, let's talk about witnessing, everybody's like, why? Let's talk about something fun. That's telling me and you that we haven't seen, heard, and experienced what we need to see, hear, and experience. Because we wouldn't have that attitude towards subjects like witnessing. But you have to be a witness before you can give a witness. So, you have to see, hear, and experience some things. And when that happens, you can't help but share it. You know, when you watch a good basketball game, now I like basketball. Any basketball fans in the house? Basketball is my favorite sport. How many know the rest of that rap? Okay. That's it? (laughs) Basketball is my favorite sport, and I realized I gave up my NBA career to be a pastor. You guys didn't know that. Don't laugh. So, I told you last year about me wearing ankle weights, trying to fly like MJ, but it didn't work out too good. So, on a seven-foot goal, it it did, but not ten-foot. So, basketball is my favorite sport. When you watch a really good game, like the Warriors and the Cavaliers, let's just say game seven last year, if you really like sports, if you really like sports, Nobody has to force you to talk about that game. You want to talk about that game because what you saw some things, you heard some things, and you had an experience watching that game. Sometimes it was an experience of joy. Sometimes it was an experience of despair or trying to throw something at your TV. But you experienced something. Now, how many have ever been to a really good concert before? Now, when you got out of the concert, what did you do? You texted people. You called people. You told everybody you know the next day, oh, my gosh, did you see them in concert? They're the most amazing person I've ever seen. The music was amazing. The lighting was amazing. That person looked really good in their outfit. And you told everything about it. Why? Because you saw some things, you heard some things, and you experienced some things, so you were a witness And you didn't even know it. And in that moment, you were being a witness for that band. Or you were being a witness for Steph Curry or LeBron James. If you eat a really good meal, now I'm not talking about Mickey D's. God bless Mickey D's. talking about some actual real food that comes from a real animal, not chemicals you're putting in your body. All right. So some real food, like a real steak. Like a filet mignon. Everybody say mignon. And a baked potato. And a nice salad. And a nice dessert to go with it. Now when you have a good meal, that at the end of the meal, it makes you want to cuss, but you're a Christian so you don't cuss. And you say, mmm, goodness, this is good. Nobody has to beg you and give you a witnessing class on telling other people about that restaurant. You know, when you leave that restaurant, the restaurant doesn't say, please tell your friends all about us. Please, please be a witness for us. No, you're so excited. You're so pumped because you saw something, you heard something, you experienced something. And so you can't help but be a witness about what you experienced. I just give you three examples. We will do it in the sports world. We will do it in the music world. We will do it in the food world. How much more the things of God, which is the most important thing that we could be a witness about. And all those things I said, you don't even think about it. You just say it. Why? Because it was so good. Now, what is the gospel? Good news. In reality, it's the best news. Everybody said the best news. The gospel is the good news, but not just the good news. It is the best news of all time, forever, for everyone 
That's what the gospel is. Now you're getting something tonight. So God has called us to be a witness. And the gospel we preach is not just in proclamation, it's in demonstration. Now where's my organ when I need it? Come on now, you need to help me tonight. It's in proclamation and demonstration. The gospel we preach, yes, you have to speak and you have to tell somebody about it, but it's not just in words only. It's in power. And you can witness it because what you can see, you can hear, and you can experience it. So the gospel that we preach, now I can't, I can't vouch for every church on the planet because I don't know what they're talking about. I'm not there. But I'm saying with us and our churches here, the gospel that we preach is not just in proclamation. That's part, but it has to be in demonstration. And God is okay with that. And that's what you see in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, that's what happens. In the book of Acts, that's what takes place. Is the gospel that they preached was not just in words, but in demonstration. Now, why is it in demonstration? Because God comes to back up the words that are spoken to prove or give evidence of that it's true. So God is okay with demonstration. In the end of the Gospels in Mark 16, it says, Signs will follow the believers. And God will confirm His word, proclamation, with signs. That's demonstration. Are you here tonight? So, the Gospel we preach is not just in proclamation, it's in demonstration. And we never need to forget that. We never need to forget that because we have to be a witness to something before we can be a witness to other people. We have to see, hear, experience it for ourselves. Now, have you ever had somebody witness to you or you tried to witness to somebody else and you knew that you really weren't having an experience with God? How to go? Not too good. It kind of felt awkward. It felt really dry. You felt really fake. Why? Because what you saw, heard, and experienced wasn't real to you first. And so it's always going to come out that way unless you allow God to give you an experience in demonstration, not just proclamation. So we need to speak the words of people. We need to proclaim things, but we also need to demonstrate it with power. That's what the early church did. They didn't just talk about it. They showed in action that this is real. That God is real. The words we're saying is real. And I'll show you. Here's the power of God. Here's healing. Here's deliverance. Here's salvation. Here's your life being changed. Here's God's joy. Here's God's peace. This is changing your life. And it's not just words. It's demonstration. You know, in the Old Testament, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Meaning that you can experience God. A lot of you in here have experienced God before, but I'm believing tonight, you're going to experience God like you've never experienced Him before. And it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Why? Because if you don't experience that, you will never be a witness to somebody else. Why? Because you can't tell somebody else what you haven't seen, what you haven't heard, what you haven't experienced. Come on, are you here tonight? Taste and see that the Lord is good. He can be experienced. And notice, He can even be experienced through our five physical senses. Taste and see. It talks about hearing. It talks about experiencing the presence of God. God is real, and He can be felt I love this, uh, an old preacher said this, this is really not a good way to say it, but it's kind of funny. He says, some things are better felt than telt. Some things are better felt than telt. You could tell all, all day people about the love of God and about the power of God, and they'd be like, yeah, that's nice, that's good, 
That's awesome. You guys are cool Christians. You're nice. But there's a difference between just nice Christians and people that actually change the world. In the book of Acts, that's what happened. There wasn't just nice Christians doing nice things. There was people that were actually experiencing the power of God. And they said, I'm not just going to tell you about it. I'm going to have you experience it. Because some things are better felt than telt. And how many know there's a lot of people telling them stuff and they would say, well, where is the proof of what you say you believe? There's other religions talking to them and saying that their way is the only way to God. There's other people in their life telling them that this is the answer and that is the answer. Now, what is the difference? Because one has evidence and the others don't. And that happens with the power of of God. So our gospel is in proclamation, but also in demonstration. You guys still here? All right, let's look at Acts 4. We're going to read some more today. Acts 4 and verse 13. Acts 4 and verse 13. So what happened was... In Acts 4, there's a man who got healed, and the Roman government didn't like it in the book of Acts because the Roman government was the most uh, powerful thing on the universe at that time. The Roman government ruled everything. The emperor, and they realized that these early believers were taking over the known world, and not by physical might and strength, or not because they had big armies, they were doing it with the power of God. And so the known world was changing at this time because these believers were healing people and setting people free and speaking about Jesus. Speaking about Jesus. And so they didn't like it. So they arrested Peter and John in Acts 4. And they told them, you can't heal anybody anymore. But not only that, we don't want you to ever say the name of Jesus. We don't want you to ever say the name of Jesus. Now this is 2,000 years since this was written, and the culture is still the same. Now you're going to have to help me tonight. They said, not only can you not heal people, which is dumb, for starters. Why would you not want somebody healed? That makes no sense. But beyond that, you can't say the name of Jesus. You can't preach about him. You can't speak about him. Now, we we were, you know, we didn't like that you healed somebody, but really don't say the name of Jesus. Same thing today. It's okay to say any other name at school, on TV, at your job. You can say any other name. You can say any world religion. You can speak your mind about anything you want to speak about. You can say any kind of trash you want to say. You can say any kind of vulgar vulgar word you want to say. You can say anything you want to, but don't say the name of Jesus at school or at work or on the TV or on the radio or on social media. Don't do it. Don't say it. 2,000 years later, it's the same way. You know why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. So you can say all the rest of those words all day and nobody cares and nobody gets offended and nobody gets their their feathers ruffled and nobody cares about it because there's no power in those other names. Come on, I'm preaching better than you responded tonight. And they don't care if you say other names on the news and on the radio and on social media. They don't care if you say other things at school. But don't say the name of Jesus. Why? Because in the name of Jesus, there's power to change people. There's power to change that work. There's power to change that school. There's power to change the government. There's power to change the country. And they get afraid of it. They get afraid of it. That's why they don't want you to say it. And the Roman government was afraid of these early believers. They were afraid of them. They didn't have any military. The Roman government had all the military of that day. 
Christians had nothing, but they were afraid because they knew they had power. And it was evident to everybody around them, believer and non-believer, that they had power. And it says that they could not deny it. So there was some evidence. So we see here in Acts 4 and verse 13. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, and they marveled. And they realized they had been with Jesus. Now, this verse right here is not saying they were stupid, not saying that they were dumb. It was saying that these men did not go to Bible college. They did not go to seminary. Their seminary and Bible college was spending three years with Jesus as he lived on this planet and did his ministry. That's what they did for three years. But he, he was saying in this passage that these men were not trained in a fancy Bible college seminary. They weren't the richest of the rich. They weren't the most popular. All of these men were just average people who God used to change the world, just like you and I. Average people. And it says that these men were untrained and unlearned, but they marveled because they realized they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Now, how did they know they had been with Jesus? Well, they were doing the same things that Jesus did when he was here. That's how they knew they had been with Jesus. Can I say, tell you right now my prayer for each one of you? When you go back home and you get a reality check, that you don't live out here in this Christian bubble. You don't live here. You get a reality check when you go back to your house, when you go back to your school, when you go back to work. You get a reality check. But the thing I want people to say about you the most is this. Not, did you have a good time at summer camp? How many s'mores did you eat? How many times did you play kumbaya around the fire? How were the team competitions? How was the lake? Was it gross? Was it nasty? Was there any cute guys there? The thing I want people to say about you is, I don't know all that happened to you at camp, but I know you have been with Jesus. And you have been with Jesus, why? Because you have seen, you have heard, and you have experienced some things, so now that you are a witness. And when you're a witness, you can't keep it to yourself. You here tonight? When you're a witness, you can't keep it to yourself. And they saw that this man, they had uh, healed a man, and the man was up walking. And they said that we can't deny this to other people, this notable miracle. We can't deny it. What about you guys getting okay with walking in the power of God where people who don't even like you can't deny the power of God on your life? I don't like them, but I can't deny it. What about people that say, I don't believe in anything. You can't prove anything to me. There's no God. The Bible is full of lies written by men. You've been brainwashed at that summer camp, you weirdo. Who are you listening to? Doesn't even make any sense that we can get to the place that no matter what their opinion is, they can't deny it because it's evident. Are you picking up what I'm laying down tonight? And that's where God wants us to walk in the evidence of what he's made available to us and for us. These men were different than other people because they'd walked with Jesus. That sounds pretty simple, right? It didn't say that they had some special education or they were from the best families, the most popular, the most wealthy They came from the right background, they were the right color, they were the right religion, they were the right race. Whatever it is, it says that they had been with Jesus. And that's what made them a threat to the enemy. Why? Because they were a witness. And for three years, this is what happened to all those disciples. Three years that these 12 men, and not just these 12 men, there was many more people that followed Jesus. Thousands and thousands of people followed Jesus. 
But these 12 men, for three years, what happened to them is they followed Jesus and they heard things every day. They saw him heal people every day. They experienced the presence of God in physical form every day. So when he left and ascended to heaven, guess what? It was easy for them to be a witness. Because they had seen, heard, and experienced some things. And the Holy Spirit empowered them to do that. The Holy Spirit empowered them to live this way. That's my prayer that when we come out of this place that they could say, well, I don't know what happened, but they have been with Jesus. And they must have heard some things and experienced some things because they're a witness. And they were intimidated of the word spreading because they realized that they wouldn't have control over people anymore if these disciples took over the known world. That's the reason the enemy is afraid of all of you. You realize that, right? That's why, you know, the music world, the TV industry, the media, why do they try to control it so heavily? Because they're afraid of you. And they're afraid of the good news getting out. That's why they try to dominate those things. They try to keep us quiet on purpose because they know there's power. But tonight that stops. Isn't that right? Because we have to be like the early disciples. I can't help it. You still here? So Acts 4 and verse 19. 419, let's jump there. Acts 419, still in this story. It says, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than, than to God, you judge. Verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We can't keep quiet about this anymore. We can't keep quiet about this anymore. Because we've seen some things and heard some things, and we can't help it. And that's where God wants you to get, that you have crossed the line so far that you can't go back anymore. At this point in my life, you can't talk me out of anything pertaining to God. Why? Because I've seen too much, and I've heard too much, and I've experienced too much. That I can't help it. So you could tell me to be quiet, but I've seen and heard and experienced too much for that. Some of you are there tonight. Some of you need to have a different experience. I know a lot of you have experienced God, but notice once we get away from camp, we forget those things. Those things seem distant from us, and then you start getting in your mind. Was that real? I don't know about that. Maybe it was just Red Bull, and I was tired. I was emotional because I didn't sleep in a long time. I was like, oh my gosh, God's presence. Was it God or was it me? Probably a little bit of both, just to be honest. But it's real. A lot of you know that you've experienced that. You've seen some things. You've heard some things. And you have to get a place like these men. I can't help it. You're not in this situation. You realize us who live in America in a free country know nothing about persecution. Your version of persecution is somebody saying something bad about you on Instagram. That's not persecution. It's not. Real persecution, like in the Bible, was like you go to jail. You get beat. You die on a cross. That was the kind of persecution. And we're acting like we can't speak up because, well, they're going to say something bad about me on Snapchat. And we care why. And that's what happened. These men were on trial 
with the Roman government, realizing that if they said the wrong thing to these people right here, you got to realize how big a deal that is. If they said the wrong thing to these people right here, that they could send them to jail or just kill them on the spot because they already killed Jesus just a little bit ago. And what did they say to these Roman people? I don't know Jesus. What? I don't go to church. They said, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to get on your nerves. I'm not trying to just be outside the box. But we cannot help it because we saw some things and we heard some things. So now we're responsible to share those things. And later on in the Bible it says, and we are witnesses of these things so we cannot help it. Because we've seen it, we've heard it, we've experienced it, so we can't keep it to ourselves anymore. You realize if we lived like this for the next year, there would be no more room in this building to, to fit all the young people that would be here. Why aren't our churches bigger than they are right now? Why aren't our youth groups bigger than they are right now? Why aren't there more people being reached because we're not living this life of a witness? And we're not living in the same place that they were living in. I can't help it. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to just stand out and be awkward. But I can't help it. At school, I can't help it. I'm not just trying to be different for different sake. But I've experienced too much to keep quiet. I've seen too much to keep quiet. You know what? The biggest regret you will have after middle school and high school is not that you didn't go to the varsity game. It's not that you didn't make the baseball team. It's not that you didn't sit with the cool kids at the cool table. The biggest regret you will have is not speaking up about what you have seen and what you've heard. That's the biggest regret you'll have. Is I knew so much and I experienced so much and I saw so much and I heard so much and I kept it to myself. And I was with hundreds and thousands of young people every day and now I'm not going to see them again. And I'm not just saying that. That's a statistic. After high school... It's about 5% of people you'll ever see again that you went to middle school and high school with. And what did you have from middle school to high school? You had an opportunity that God gave you as a mission field. You didn't know that. Because you've been called to be missionaries, not in another country, but at your middle school. Not in, in, not in Zimbabwe, not in Argentina, not in France, but at your high school and on your college campus, and God has given you a window of opportunity to tell people what you've seen, heard, and experienced, and you'll never get it back. Listen, I went to a Christian private school, and there was plenty of non-Christians there. Anybody go to a Christian private school and, and can say amen to that? It's called your parents have money, so they send you to the private Christian school. That's what people do. And I, and I regret to this day, I'm 30 years old, I know that there's people I should have said more to. I know it. I know there's people I should have reached out to. I know it. I know there's people I should have said more to and tried to help more. I know it right now. And I regret it. And I'm 30 years old, and I'll probably never see those people ever again. Are you getting something tonight? You know, just to lighten the mood a little bit, let me say something funny. Okay, I guess you can debate whether you think this is funny or not. But I've had multiple people run into people that I went to high school with, and they were talking about our church. And they said, hey, you know that Jordan's the pastor now. There's like, uh, like the youth pastor? No, like the pastor pastor. Like the lead pastor. And everybody was shocked. I was like, I wasn't that bad of a kid in high school. Why are you going to act shocked? 
Like, oh, I could never see him being a pastor. Man, he was a bad kid. Like, how bad did you think I was in high school? I was offended. They're like, Jordan Jacobs is a pastor at Church on the Rock? Are you kidding me? I'm like, what the heck? I wasn't bad at all. I mean, I threw a couple of eggs at school one time, but. I apologize for that. <clears throat> but you know, the thing in high school was this. In high school, I didn't speak up, so that's why they thought that about me. I wasn't, I wasn't like partying every weekend or anything like that. But I wasn't saying anything, so they assumed a lot about me. I didn't always hang out with the right people in high school. So they assumed that I was just like those people because I didn't speak up. So that's why all these years later at 30 years old, they're like, oh, my gosh. Him? Pastor? Yes! Come on, give me a little credit. I wasn't that bad. I played acoustic guitar in chapel a couple times and sang Christian songs. Give me a break, people. But you know, I think that's true for most of us in here. You're not stupid enough to go to all the parties and mess up your life. You're not that stupid. You know better than that. It's kind of obvious. It's like, okay, I don't want my parents to kill me. And I know that God doesn't want me to be there and mess up my life. So I'm not there. But you're not saying anything. So that's still not good. (laughs) So you're not necessarily hurting your life. But what you're doing is hurting other people around you that need to know. But you can't help but what you've seen and what you've heard. Are you guys getting something tonight? We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and heard. We can't keep quiet. After you leave this camp, that needs to be your way of life every day. You got to think, I can't keep quiet about this. God has been too good to me. Now, where's the back corner at? Where are you preachers at back there? God has been too good to me and done too many things for me and healed my life and delivered my life and put me in a good church and gave me good friends and turned my life around. I can't keep that quiet anymore. And I know just because you're young people doesn't mean you haven't been through stuff in your life because you have. And God has already done this much this far. How much more can he do in the future? you got to be the place where I don't care. I'm not going to keep quiet about it. We fall to the, the, the lie of peer pressure and what people think and what people say. I know that pressure in high school. Looking back at it now as a 30-year-old, I think it's hilarious. I think it's the dumbest thing I ever thought of. But when it was in high school, that was real life. That was the most important thing on my mind. All right, I'm going to have to say it. So, it's 8.30. We're doing good. I'll tell you how intense this is in high school. Some of you can relate to this. It was English class. The guys wrote a paper, and the girls wrote a paper. The girls got an A on the paper, and the guys got a C on the paper. Now, I said this. Now, what did I say? The girls got an A? Is that what I said? Okay, just making sure. Girls got an A, guys got a C. The paper quality, I didn't write it, so I can speak for somebody else. The paper quality was equal. Equal rights. So, the paper quality was just as good. I read both of them. So I told my English teacher, you are. I was about to say a feminist. I didn't say that. I didn't go there. But I said, you're not being fair. You favored the girls over the guys. It's not right. All the guys are like, yeah, you say that. Because guess what? I couldn't write a paper, but I could talk. I still can. Still can't write, can't talk. 
You got to stay with your grace and your anointing. Don't get me to write something, but let me talk. Like, just stay behind me. I will speak for the group. Like, yeah, go. You say it. They're not fair. She's a feminist. Whatever. Like, yeah, sure, I'll say it. So later on, I'm thinking I'm getting away from this. Later on, the principal calls my mom and dad and says, guess what? Your son is the biggest smart aleck we've ever had in Christian Academy. I said, well, you know, that's a, that's a big statement. It's been 40 years of Christian Academy. You're going to say I'm the biggest smart aleck in all of Christian Academy. I said, well, this teacher came up and said that your son smarted off to her. I said, yes, I did. Because it wasn't fair. So I was keeping it real, and then I was keeping it grounded. So that happens to be the night of the homecoming game. The night of the homecoming game. Now this is how real high school is when you're in it. At 30 years old, this is hilarious. You couldn't pay me to go to a homecoming game. Even if they said, hey, we'll bring you back, we'll apologize for that statement, and we'll say that you're the greatest person who ever went to Christian Academy. I'll just say, no thanks. I don't need to go to the homecoming game. I'm okay. But in high school, that is life. Nothing else matters. So when I get home, I'm just say, you're not going to the homecoming game. So I'm ticked. Furious. Why does she always have to make comments when I preach? She does this on Sunday morning. So, I go in my room, slam the door, like every teenage person with teenage angst does. I hate you, Mom and Dad. Turn around. I got a bathroom in my room. I go in there. I punch the wall as hard as I can. I punch a hole through the wall. Now, later when my adrenaline ran out, my hand is throbbing, and I feel like it's broken, and I regret that decision immediately. But at the time, that's life. What people think about me in high school and middle school is life. There's nothing else that exists. I thought my life was completely over because I didn't go to one homecoming game. That's how real it was. And guess what? I'm 30 years old right now, and I could care less that I didn't come to that homecoming game. I get you some good people in your church like Brother Joe who will come fix that hole in the bathroom and not tell anybody about it until I say it from the pulpit. True story. Brother Joe came and fixed it, never said anything to anybody. Well, how'd this happen? I tripped and was slippery in the bathroom and no, really, I was just ticked. Isn't that true? Any, any middle school and high school, college age people can say amen to that. That's what it feels like when you're there. And that's why a lot of times we just keep our mouth shut. But we can't be quiet about what we've seen, heard, or experienced. Let's look over at Acts 2. Acts 2. We're going to read in Acts 2 in a moment here. This is um, after they got filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter got up to preach to 3,000 people on the first day of the church. And he preached boldly. Realize this same Peter is the Peter who denied Jesus three times. Denied Jesus three times to people said, no, I don't know who he is. Nope, never heard of Jesus. That same Peter, notice, once he's been filled with the Holy Spirit, what's it say? He receives power to be a witness. And the same scaredy cat Peter is the same Peter who's bold on the day of Pentecost and gets up to preach to thousands of people and proclaim the good news of the gospel and 3,000 people get saved on the first day of the church. Now I don't know about you, but none of us in here have ever preached and 3,000 people got saved on one day. Not even the best preachers back there. That hasn't happened to us. What happened? 
something happened between scaredy cat Peter to bold Peter. And it was the power to be a witness with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 and verse 32. Acts 2 and 32. This is part of his sermon he preached to these people. Acts 2 and verse 32. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Notice this Jesus God has raised up in which we are all witnesses. Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Notice, he poured out that which we have now see and hear. Which we now see and hear. Listen to me, young people. You are the evidence that God is real in the earth. You are. Your friends are going to say, where's God? Where is he? We as believers, we as part of the body of Christ are the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. We are the body of Christ. The only Jesus that they will ever see is you. You and I are the evidence that God is real. So if we don't talk about what we've seen, heard, and experienced, who will? God's not going to just speak to him. How does he speak to him? Through us. He speaks to your friends through you. He heals people at your work through you. He delivers your community through you. He doesn't just do it up there. He does it through us, his body, his hands, and his feet. He does it through us. You are the only evidence that God exists on the earth. This time in the history of the world is crucial, is critical. And like never before, the world needs to see the evidence that God is a good God. The world needs to see the evidence that God is real. The world needs to see the evidence that God can still heal people. The world needs to see the evidence that God can still deliver. He can still change lives. He can still give you peace. He can still give you joy. Because they're hearing the opposite all the time. And notice the reality and the evidence they see every day is the opposite of that. So they assume that's the right way. Or that's just, that's just my life. That's the reality of how life is. But no, that's not true. God sent you and I here to be the evidence that God is real. That God is good. That God heals. That God is a good God and He loves us. And He's for us. And He can still deliver. And He can still change people's lives. And He can still do something great in the world. Come on, are you here tonight? You agree with that? And we are that evidence. We are witnesses of what we've seen and heard and experienced. Now, some of you would say, well, I've experienced some things from God, but I don't know if I've experienced everything from God. You haven't. I haven't. For the rest of your life, you're going to experience more of God. Here's a thought to think about. For the rest of eternity, you're going to experience more of God. Because He's God and we're not. He's infinite and we're finite. So there's no end to Him. So for the rest of eternity, you're going to be experiencing more of God. Some of you say, well, I don't have a, I don't have a testimony. I don't have some big, wild experience I can tell everybody about what God did in my life. Now, you have something. You have something. If you say you don't have anything you've never seen or heard or experienced, God, tonight's your night. Because God is okay with you having proof of what you believe. I know He's a faith God. We believe in that. We believe whether we see it, feel it, or not. But still, God is a God that can be felt, that can be experienced. And He's real. Each of you in here have a story to tell. Do you know that? 
each of you have a story to tell that's important, and no story is better than the other story. Think about it right now as I'm talking. Think about it right now. Each of you have a story to tell. What has God done in your life so far? Have you been saved? Have you accepted Him into your heart? That's one thing. Has God ever healed you? Has God ever delivered you? Has God ever given you peace in a horrible situation? Has God ever given you joy when you were depressed? All of you have a story to tell, and it's important. And people need to hear your story. You don't have to know all the scriptures. You don't have to go to Bible college. But you do have your story. And your story is what you've witnessed, you've seen, you've heard, and you've experienced. You need to tell your story. You have a story, and you need to tell other people, stop being afraid. Stop hiding what God is doing in your life because other people need it. And it's selfish to keep it to ourselves. And a lot of us do that. Why? Because we, we care what people think. What are they going to say? What are they going to think about me? Most people are going to think, I need that. And I was waiting for somebody to speak up. Because all I see in high school or middle school or college or at my work or in my community is all these people that don't know how to live. They don't know their purpose. They don't know what real life is. And they're just waiting for somebody to speak up and say, no, it's not like that. There's another way. There's a different way. There's a God who's real. There's a God who loves you. Come on, I'm preaching tonight. I need you to respond to what's being said here. And you are the ones to do it. And don't think, well, I need my pastor to come to my middle school and to preach to them. No, that's why you're there. If I went to your middle school, they wouldn't listen to me. This guy's old. Get him out of here. Hey, kids, how you doing? I'm a lead pastor. Nice to meet you. If I went to your high school, they wouldn't listen to me, but they'll listen to you. If I went to your college campus, don't say, well, I need my pastor to come and and help people. No, they wouldn't listen to him. They're listening to you and to you and to you and to you and to you. They're not listening to us. They're listening to you and they're waiting for you to tell your story. They're waiting for somebody to speak up and say, guys, are we all thinking the same thing here? This isn't working. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Right. They're waiting for somebody to say, don't you think these parties are getting old? Don't you think these dances are getting old? Don't you think dating that person is getting old? Don't you think just living for Snapchat and your Xbox is getting old? Somebody needs to speak up and say that. And say, let me tell you about real life. Let me tell you about a real God. Let me tell you about having a purpose. Let me tell you about the mission of God and being a witness of what you've seen, heard, and experienced. You have a story to tell. Nobody can tell your story like you can tell your story. Nobody can give your testimony like you can give your testimony. Nobody can give it. Nobody can give your message like you can give it. You don't need me. You don't need your pastor. You're a preacher. You have a story to tell. You have a message to tell. And it's so important. And the world needs to hear it. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm pleading with you. The world is desperate to hear your story. They're desperate for somebody to stand up and say, I've seen some things, and I've heard some things, and I've experienced some things, and I know that there's a different way than we're all living. And you have a story to tell. I heard it said before that a man with a story trumps a man with an argument. They can try to argue with you all day because they think they're smart, but they're not. 
They could try to talk you out of what you believe all day. But a man with a story and an experience trumps a person with an argument. That's like telling me, if I was talking about dad, well, you've never met Dr. Jacobs. He doesn't exist. You could tell me that all day, but it's too late. I've seen, I've heard, and I've experienced him. I have a relationship with him, so it's too late. It's the same way with God. People can try to talk you about, about stuff all day. Try to talk you out of your faith and what you believe, but it's too late because a person with their story and the experience trumps somebody with an argument. We are all witnesses of what God has done and what God is doing, and it's time that we show the world evidence. You guys agree with that tonight? Come on, can you stand up with me tonight? Could we get the lights down for a moment? Hey, we're going to have a time of ministry. And I believe.